Yo, I'm Will Blackman. This is Upsets and Underdogs presented by WinBet. This is the show where we dive into the world of sports betting and discuss the best lines, the top props, and of course, the most intriguing underdogs. Today, we'll be previewing week three of the NFL and making some picks. Then later, we'll be joined by an incredible guest, the voice of UFC, John Ennick. We're going to break down UFC 266 which is coming up this Saturday, so make sure to stick around for that. But first, I have a message for you. The NFL season is here. Kick it off right with WinBet. On the WinBet mobile app, you get access to unique markets like NFL yardage leaders and exact season wins. Who will be the last team to win a game? What about the last team to be undefeated? I know I've got my guesses. You can find all those odds on WinBet. And on top of all that, it's the best place for NFL parlays too. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to set the odds in your favor. Download now and start winning with WinBet. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get back to the show. We have a ton of our plate today, so let's get right into it. First... We have to bring in the gambling Greek, Nick Deus. What is the word? I'm pumped, Will. Always pumped. Always a pleasure being on with you. And it's fight week, baby. It's it fight, is week. fight week. I like that hat, by the way. What is that hat? Is that a Mamba it, hat? No. It's uh, it, it's my show, man. My show logo. Oh, there. I can't see your I, hat. Your head is up, so I couldn't see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you one one day. Maybe you can send me like a, a jersey or something. But we'll talk a, about that. Oh, that's a, that's a... Listen, <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? I, I don't need you to do anything. I got you. All right. So... Let's jump into our top dogs. This is the part of the show where we'll be highlighting the underdogs that we think will have the best chance to be successful this week. Uh, we're going to start with game one, right? We have the Chargers at the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are a minus six and a half favorite ticket and money count. We're going to start there. The 74% of the tickets are the Chiefs. Surprise, surprise. And 62% of the money are the Chargers. Um, so, Nick, um, what is your take here with this game? I love these two quarterbacks, Will. I think Mahomes and Herbert right now, if I had a decade that I could take any any two players, I think you start your list with with one and two, uh, Mahomes and Herbert. Because of, because of what they can do with the ball. I mean, it is absolutely insane. I agree um, to build around these two. It's going to be interesting because they're both young in the same division, so it's going to be fun to watch. But I feel like I know what I talk about the Raiders today, but I think Derek Carr is the OG watching from behind. And he's just watching these two guys. So, yeah, any um, gambling insights for this game? Yeah, I feel like these two teams, you can make a case that their records could be different. I think the Chiefs, you can make a strong case that they should be 0-2. And the Chargers, you can make a case that they should be 2-0. We talked about the officials on the last game. But the Chiefs are 6-4 and against the spread in the last 10 games against the Chargers. Kansas City's last eight wins have been by six points or less. And Will, tell me how you feel about this one, man. I think that Chargers offense and the way Herbert could just sling, they're always going to be in games. So if I'm catching points with them, I'm always going to favor that side. Yeah, no, no, that's big for that. I will. Let me go back to the uh, the record deal. I feel like with, yes, the Chiefs could be 0-2, but the Chiefs have been the dominant team in the AFC for quite some time now. So every single week, they're going to get, you know, the team's best shot. So there's no surprise. Plus, their first two games were against playoff teams, you know, championship right. contenders. They went against the Browns. The Browns literally had them, you know, same thing. And the Ravens went through them, too. And the two things that stood out was 
both teams were able to run the football effectively against, you know, the Chiefs. Now, that's my only concern about this game. Can the Chargers do that as well? I don't know. I think Austin Eckler is going to be more effective in this game in the pass game, not so much the run game. But hey, you never know. Anything can happen, especially now that they move Chris Jones to defensive end. I think that's a big deal. Uh, maybe why they're not so, you know, strong, you know, in the middle. So, yes, I, I think the Chargers do keep it close, but I am going to pick uh, the Chiefs for this one. Who you got? I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. Chargers catching points, backdoor cover. It's going to be set up there. Chiefs and they do play 10. them well. I will say, yes, yeah. they do play them well. Every So far, they have. Now, the last game doesn't count because Chad Henney was playing. Pat Mahomes wasn't. But they do play right, them they had well already overall. But remember, this is also the Tyrod Taylor incident last year, right? Tyrod Taylor. Oh, that's the, right. Yeah. The he ribs. Did yeah. And then this was the the official first star for Justin Herbert, but he, he found out five minutes that. before the game. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they didn't have any film on him or nothing. Right. They just yeah. came out there slinging it. All right. We're going to get to game number two. Uh, Seahawks minus two favorite at the Vikings. Uh, 66% of the tickets are on the Seahawks. I feel like Seahawks is, uh, they're kind of in that group, right? Of favorite teams. Would you say? Yeah. Like a public team. They're, they're yeah. always on prime time. They play what, five, six prime time games a year. They're always competitive and they got some flashy players. So yeah, you're yeah. right on that. And then 50, 54% of the money um, is going to the Vikings. So this is interesting, right? The Vikings are 0-2. They, they might be, tell me what you think. They might be the best 0-2 team. How do you feel I mean, about that? It's definitely not the Giants, that's for sure. But uh, with the Vikings, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Up, and, and well, let's let's take a look at their losses, right? They lose that game to the Bengals in overtime by a field goal, and then they had basically a layup. Anything under forty yards, my kicking coach will used to tell me, "I'm gonna kick footballs at you if you miss under forty yards. Like that is not acceptable. You gotta hit them, right?" So he misses a, I believe it was a thirty-seven yard field goal. That right. the announcer lost his mind. He's like, oh, it's in. Oh, Gus like, Johnson. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He yeah. Lost so, yeah, man, you're right. They Another team, we were talking about the Chargers and the Chiefs having different records. I think you're spot on that the Vikings could be 2-0 as well. Yeah, the, the only thing is, right, we keep talking about Kirk Cousins, right? The the whole world does. Like, he always, he's always going to play well. Like, that's his thing. He's going to give you... Like just his end season stat, he's gonna give you four like forty two hundred yards passing. He's gonna give you twenty five touchdowns. He's gonna probably throw like eight to nine picks, and he's gonna have a really good QB rating. But it's these close games mm. that are the issue. Oh, now yeah, it's, the kicker missed it. Sure, it's not his fault. But you know, we always look at the quarterbacks. I think in this situation, if the game ends up being really close, Russell is known for doing so. Now, this this is going to be an interesting game in terms of like the over-under. There's a chance it could be over simply because there's tons of talent on both sides. You know, there's you look at Thielen, Jefferson, and, and Cook, you know, on the offensive side for Minnesota, and you got Metcalf, Lockett, Carson on the offensive side for Seattle. So there's a chance the over, but I want to hear from you in terms of like any gambling insights for this game that may help us and help me. So we all know that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. And he's number one when it comes to record against the spread. Number two, Will, is Mike Zimmer. 69, <laughs> 49, and one since he became the head coach in Minnesota. That is the second best record against the spread. And his record is even better at home covering. 
So huh. do you have a sense of where we might be going with this one? Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm going to stick with my pick. I got the Seahawks. How about that? Who you got? I'm going to disagree. I think I'm going to take the points. So Minnesota must win, right, essentially. 0-2 teams against the spread, 46 and But Seattle, after that loss, they're going to come in there motivated. That's beyond very, motivated. That's very fair. And you being a former Seahawk, you mentioned how they struggle when they come sort of that Eastern time zone. I don't count that. I don't count them. They didn't give me a real game check, so I'm not going to count them as like I played. For I know they, they – I got to talk to Wikipedia because it's on there and <laughs> so are the Rattlers. I didn't, I didn't play a season for any of those teams. Anyhow – but All right, yeah. let's move on. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say this game is at 4.30, so it's not exactly an early oh, start time. Okay, 4.30. Now, Kirk Cousins is better with the early games. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell, tell you a funny Kirk Cousins story. We were playing, I forget, it was one night game, and I remember I was watching him eating breakfast during pregame meal. No, he's eating lunch during pregame. I forget what it was. Maybe let's just breakfast. And... He just kind of like banged the table. He was like, damn it, I hate these night games. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I just gave it to myself. I was like, oh, man. I said, that is funny. That was super funny. I think, oh, we we're playing Dallas. I think we lost to Dallas that game, too. I gave up a touchdown, so I was part of the problem. All right. So we're going to move on to game three. Uh, Bucks. Oh, God. Minus one favorite for at the Rams. This is basically a pick em game. Um mm-hmm. 69% of the tickets are on the Bucks, 52% of the Bucks. Uh any take or insight for this game? For, actually, before I say that, first of all, this game right here, SoFi needs to bring out a red carpet for this game. Because this is this is gonna be like a Laker type game mm. where all the stars already the stars are at these games. You know, the char- the Cowboys came in and played the Chargers. Everybody was in the damn press box. Same thing is going to happen in this game. Everybody's going to be in the press box. So if you're following any celebrity on Instagram, social media, go to the stories. I guarantee you they will be at this game. This game also makes me has me like I have like this weird feeling of the Rams Chiefs games that happened a few years ago where they just it was just fireworks. Like I can see something like that. This is also a potential NFC championship matchup. I had the Rams going to the Super Bowl before Cam, Cam Akers got hurt. And then once Cam Akers got hurt, I picked the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl. So this is like madness for me. So, yeah, give me some takes and insights for this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I actually think this is the NFC title game this year. From what I've seen just after two weeks, pending any injuries, we know it's a long, long season with right. that extra game also. But I think a lot of people's perspective on this one, is uh, I like to use this analogy, Brad at the bar, right? Like your fraternity <laughs> brother that's at the bar. When you just ask him, when he asks you, wait, did you like, say your fraternity brother, Brad? <laughs> yeah, like it's, that is it's a that most, is a frat name, Brad. It's the most generic frat name ever, Chad and Brad, right? So like, you ask Brad at the bar, hey, what's the line on this game? And you're gonna say the Bucks minus one. Everyone's gonna be thinking, oh my god, it's a pick 'em, Brady. They've just won nine games in a row four playoff games last year. They've dropped 30 in every game. It's just going to be such a layup for everyone to take the Bucks in this situation. Well, guess what? I'm taking the Bucks in this situation. <laughs> and who do you got in this one? Man, we're disagreeing on all our NFL That's picks, great so. then because I can't wait till our next show. 
Yeah, this is going to be good. One of us is going to separate from the pack, but I'm going with the Rams. <laughs> I'm going with the Rams. I want to really see the, the biggest subplot in this game for me, Will, is Matthew Stafford. This is the biggest game he's probably has played. And I know he's played in a playoff game. No disrespect to the Lions at the time. But now with the Rams, you have all these expectations. And this is the big dog coming into your building. Which is good because he's built for this. Like, he's built for these big games. He has the arm for the big games. He's kind of at that point where he's like sick of it. So this is he, this is exactly what he wanted. This is why he asked for the trade. And, and, this, and this stage in his career, you don't ask to get traded to a team that is not a contender. You know, So he wanted this. He's in the perfect situation. Um, and again, I could I could see all these fireworks simply because I can see just, just lots and lots of yards through the air. So, all right, I'm picking the Bucks. Nick has the Rams. You can find the lines for the rest of the games on the WinBet app. Okay, it's time to make our picks for underdog of the week. This is the dog we think has the best shot to upset their opponent. Um, my favorite pick, who has the best shot? is the Chargers. I think they have the best shot to do so uh, simply because they have been playing well. And if there's anyone outside of, you know, Rogers, Josh Allen, Stafford, who can go throw for throw with Mahomes, it is Herbert. So that is my favorite underdog right now. Nick, who's your underdog of the week? So I'm also on the Chargers as well. <laughs> Why'd you say it like that, though? Because I, I didn't think you were going to go with the Chargers. So I want it to be a little different over there, you know, to shake ah! things up a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm on the Chargers as well, Will. Okay, very good. All right, finally, we're going to make our favorite pick of the week. This is the team out of any team playing that we think has is the biggest lock to cover. Here's mine. I am also going with the Chargers for this one, too, simply because of the backdoor cover situation. I think if the... Chiefs get ahead that the Chargers can definitely make a late surge, even if it's like three minutes left in the game. So Chargers, Chargers for me. What about you, Nick? So I'm going to stick to football on this one, though I do like Nick Diaz as my favorite pick <laughs> of the week. You know, got to stay on brand. But I'm going to go with the Vikings plus two at home. Borderline must win early in the season. Now, that's a good one, too, because they have the offense that's built for something like that, too. You know, let's say if they are behind, you know, they have enough firepower um, offensively to do something like that. So that's a good call. I like that one. Now, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at WinBet. So before we go any further, I just want to remind you on the WinBet mobile app, you get access to unique markets like NFL yardage leaders and exact season wins. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to set the odds in your favors. Download now and start winning with WinBet. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's bring in today's guest, formerly an ESPN anchor and the host of MMA Live on ESPN2. He is now the voice of the UFC and the lead commentator for the UFC pay-per-view. And he is also a native New Englander. John Anik, what is happening? How you doing, my man? Will Blackman, I got to say, and Nick, I won't take up too much of your time. This is my favorite college football player of all time. So it's hard in a pro sports town like Boston for Boston College to sort of move the needle. But when I moved back to Boston and I was living in Chestnut Hill right after college, 
this guy was all the rage, man. So an absolute honor to be with both no, of you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, so John, before we get into the fights, this show is called Upsets and Underdogs. So I have to ask you, what has been your biggest personal upset the moment that you as an underdog rose to the challenge and overcame that upset? I love the question and I love the format of your show. I think the biggest upset for me and my family is that I'm the one performing because I have an identical twin brother who majored in musical theater and I spent my whole life watching that dude perform. So it's definitely an upset and I was definitely the underdog in terms of being in the performance art space. But when I was in Boston, there was this sports radio juggernaut that I know WB knows called Sports Radio yes. 850 WEI and I was working – for what we called sort of the little engine that could, right? 1510 The Zone, the sporting news radio affiliate in Boston. And when we would show up to do a sports radio show, you know, we couldn't just hold our hat on the fact that there would be a bankroll of calls all day and we could just have the listeners sort of drive the show. Like we had to legitimately come up with content every day. And so as humbly as I could say it, the fact that I was able to sort of emerge and, and get to ESPN radio when I was working for a station and a show that not a lot of people were listening to, we just believed in the content and we felt like if we just put out good content every day that somebody would pay attention. And I, I sent my radio demo to probably – a hundred radio right. stations. I mean, I couldn't get a lick in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> Wyoming wasn't ringing me back, but lo and behold, Bristol, Connecticut, right? I got a call back from ESPN radio and uh, obviously was thankful for that opportunity. But, you know, I've had some lucky breaks, of course, as a lot of people uh, would tell you, but um, I think that's probably my best underdog story as far as my broadcasting. No, and I love that though, because that's the biggest thing. It's the grind, right? It's the grind. People don't understand. I saw a quote um, I'm not a big like quote guy, but I do hear I see some stuff once in a while. So I saw one from Kevin Hart and he said the grind is, you know, is like when you get up in the morning, you give 100 percent. Right. You give everything you have. And he said nothing happens. He said, then you get up the next day, you give 110 percent and nothing happens. You get up again and you keep doing this consecutively and nothing happens. He said that's the real grind. You know, to to have that energy and and, and sight, you know, that the goal in sight to do that. So for you to send your reel out everywhere and nothing happened, yeah, and eventually something yeah, clicked. Man. That's the grind. I appreciate that, man. Okay, let's talk MMA. UFC two sixty six is coming up this Saturday. A very exciting headliner with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Brian T. City Ortega. But let's go fight by fight here first. We're gonna start with fight number one. The return of Nick Diaz, right? Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. This is crazy that this is, we're calling this, this a, it is a rematch from 17 years yeah, ago. Yeah. I think the last time they fought, Robbie had a whole head of hair. Joe Rogan had a whole head of hair. Like, that's really uh -huh. what happened. There's no, um, there's no uh, clear favorite here, so this is a pick em. But actually, I want to tell you something funny. So, you met the gambling Greek. Nick, his name is Nick Deus, right? Mm. I know. No, I'm no, looking no, down yeah. at Deus. It's screwing no. me up. It's going to screw me no, up on the broadcast right. this weekend. So, so, Nick so, Deus, so people may see him on social media and think it's Nick Diaz talking trash. So you might be the only person to meet Nick Diaz and Nick Deus. <laughs> so, How about yeah. that? That's my claim to fame right I, there. 
But Nick, I know I know you're ready to go, and I can see the excitement through funny. the computer, right, in terms of your excitement for Nick Diaz to be back. How crazy is it, though? Did you see the headlines last night that during fight week, Nick now wants this fight to be contested up 15 pounds at middleweight and not at welterweight? Never a dull <laughs> moment, obviously, with right. the Diaz brothers and, and fight week included. Um, we're going to talk to Robbie Lawler here in about an hour and a half, and I'm very I'm curious, so curious as to what he's going to yeah. say. Robbie but obviously when, when Will was – yeah, I don't think he will. I mean I think he'll still take the fight, but you know, Robbie Lawler hasn't competed at middleweight since 2012, and you're sort of conditioning your mind and body to go through this weight cut that now seemingly you won't have to go through. But it is a crazy backstory, right? When Will Blackman was playing college football at BC, these dudes yes, fought at I was a junior seven, and And it's crazy when you look at – the broadcast that night, you know, Robbie Lawler's all the rage. Nick Diaz has sort of been resorted to just like a jujitsu fighter. And lo and behold, he knocks Robbie Lawler out and talk trash every step of the way. And, uh, never a fight that I thought we would see come around again. I kind of thought Nick Diaz was done, but obviously it's a layoff for him that dates to January of 2015. And because of that, for me, as a better, that would give me pause going to the window to bet on a guy who hasn't fought in six and a half years. And the popular narrative, Nick, you're hearing is, well, if anybody can do it, it's Nick Diaz. And that's fine. You know, I don't necessarily believe wholeheartedly in ring rust. I'm just saying with my hard earned money to go to the window and bet on a guy who hasn't fought in six and a half years. That right. What do you expect pause. from him, though? What do you expect from Nick? Like my, my biggest concern is, right, when you haven't fought, you don't have those those calluses anymore. Right. Like for the leg kicks, like can you withstand leg kicks like those kind of things? So what do you expect from Nick after five years? Well, I think the reason a lot of people are bullish about his chances is because these guys just train year-round, and they're doing mini triathlons all the time. So cardiovascularly, you don't really have to worry about his base. I like the word callous that you use. I may have to steal that this weekend, but – I think he's getting a lot of that in the gym. You know, our roster is almost split right now in terms of the athletes that feel like they need to spar hard all the time and the athletes that have almost eliminated sparring from their training camp. So I think Nick spars hard. I, I'll admit to being a little bit curious as to why he wants this fight at 85. I know there are a lot of media obligations and maybe he doesn't feel like he'll have the requisite number of hours to right. cut weight. You know, this is also the first morning weigh in mm -hmm. for Nick, right? Because in 2015, when he fought in the UFC, these guys were weighing in at 4 p.m. So uh, we'll talk to Nick later today, too. A lot of questions to be answered. But as far as his athleticism, his MMA acumen, his cardiovascular base, I don't worry about him fighting right. well. I just don't know how you bet on a guy with so many unknowns and variables. So now, John, this is a betting show, though, and I have to, I have to bring right. it up. Classic. You story. did, you did lose a bet to Nick's brother Nate Diaz. So, for those who don't know the story, quickly tell us what happened with this story. Well, I'll try to tell it as efficiently as possible, and I didn't lose the bet, right? So there are a lot of tattoo <laughs> bets out there. You saw Tyron right, Woodley yeah. and Jake Paul. I've done like four tattoo bets on my podcast. I would never do a tattoo bet of something that I didn't want on my body for the rest of my life, right? Like I had to clear this with my wife, my podcast co-host, but basically – I wasn't calling pay-per-views in 2016, and Conor McGregor's opponent falls out. They pluck Nate Diaz. Supposedly, he was vacationing in Cabo, right? And he had like two weeks for the fight. So I thought it would be a funny podcast bit to maybe do a tattoo bet that if Nate Diaz can fly home and with no training camp beat Conor McGregor, I will get a 209 tattoo. Now, granted, I didn't like his chances in the fight. 
But Nick Diaz was my favorite fighter. He was the guy that got me into mixed martial arts, right? I'm a numbers guy. I felt like it would be a cool tattoo and it would be a way to sort of honor Nick, honor a great win by Nate if he got it. And if he didn't, then that would have been my expectation. Now, I got in some hot water. (laughs) with the UFC, right? Because I didn't expect, you know, my little podcast, 10,000 people listening to it at the time or whatever. I didn't expect it to like register on Nate's radar. So once Nate found out during fight week, it got a little bit dicey. My boss, Craig Borsari calls me. He's like, what the hell happened on the podcast? You know, he's like, I'm gonna go talk to Dana Lorenzo. We'll be back in touch. I never heard another word. And I think to this day, it's probably the most I've ever done to help bolster a pay-per-view number. Uh, as humbly as I can say that, but lesson learned, obviously I have never predicted a fight since. <laughs> and, um, but again, I wasn't calling those fights. So I felt like it was okay. Um, Nate, obviously, and I have buried the hatchet. He's seen the tattoo yeah, and, and he uh, was cool about it. He was place, like, whatever. Yeah. Very yeah. good. But it was a hairy, uh, hairy 48 hours for sure. All right, Nick, who are you picking? I got to go with my guy, Nick Diaz. And John, I was telling <laughs> I was telling Will when we first started this project that a lot of MMA fans are going to see Will Blackman and Nick Diaz, and they're going to get very <laughs> upset when they realize that it's not Nick Diaz because I always get mail with the Diaz as the last name. Yeah, yeah I bet. I got to go. Look, we saw Nate after a three-year layoff when he came back against Pettis, and he looked fantastic. That was one of his best performances. So echoing what John said earlier, if there's anyone that could do it, it's got to be a Diaz brother. So I'm going to go with Nick Diaz on this one. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. He was the he was the underdog because Robbie was known for just running through people uh back then in 2004. So I and also I like where I like where Nick's at. He looks like he's just at peace, you know. He's he's back to the to the I agree root with of that. his 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 jiu-jitsu. Um and he has back then he kind of had like, you know, this street confidence. Now he has like this calm confidence, like, look, I'm gonna just handle business. So I like I like Nick in this one too. You got a good read on Nick Will. There's no doubt that I'm picking up all of those things when I ingest what he has said and done this week. And again, I'm not sitting here picking right. Robbie Lawler. You know, this screams layoff to me, though, right? This would be one fight that I would absolutely avoid betting. I mean, it's not Lawler hasn't fought in a year either, right? So it's not as though he's the most active guy on the All right, we're to fight number two. Months since their last fight, by the way, too, if you're into narrative. Craig, you can't even make it up. I mean, can we show the audience the 209? There we go. Yeah. I mean, Jesus oh. Christ, right there it is. All right, fellas, we're going to get to fight number two. This is Valentina Shevchenko. She is a heavy favorite versus Lauren Murphy. Uh, Valentina is the flyweight queen. Uh, this this, this uh, division was basically designed for her. Uh, she's looking to continue to yeah. dominating. What is your take on Valentina for this? Yeah. So Valentina is one of the greatest mixed martial arts athletes of all time. And it's crazy to hear her talk this week about fighting until she's 50 because this is just her life and what she wants to do. She's prohibitively favored, right? She's a near minus 1,500 favorite. So I think you got to get creative if you're betting Valentina Shevchenko. Maybe look at a proposition, a knockout prop, or a submission prop. I think what's tricky about that is that she has so many ways to beat you that honing in on a knockout or a submission becomes difficult. Of all the fighter meetings that I have today, the one I'm most looking forward to is Lauren Murphy because – She and her camp have talked a lot about strategy, but sometimes when you are perceived to be so up against it on paper, 
I wonder if you don't throw caution to the wind and maybe in terms of your risk management, take a few more chances than you otherwise would. So I'm curious to hear what Lauren has to say about all of that. She's physical. You know, I don't expect her to get physically overwhelmed by Valentina the way Jessica Andrade did necessarily. Um, but I also don't know that Murphy presents anything skill wise. Um, that's the, that that's the biggest problem before. where I can see it physically becoming overwhelming for her is that like she's going to see everything. She's gonna. She might see a spinning back elbow out the gate. You know, she might see a. She right, might see right. an axe kick in the first five seconds. You don't know. Nick, jump in here. Like, tell me what's your thought on this too. Yeah, John, I have a super strong take about. I think Valentina is the most dominant champion of all time. And if you factor in the odds, this being a betting show, collectively all her opponents, she's the biggest favorite, minus six hundred on average, all her fights. Now. You can push back and say, is the level of competition to a Habib and Nunez and John Jones, the people that they fought, the same? I wouldn't push back too much on that, but this is just how dominant Valentina is at 125. No doubt. No, I think you hit on a lot of truths there. And again, her two-fight series with Amanda Nunes was very right. competitive. Most of your audience probably knows she lost those two head-to-head -head meetings, but the second one was a split decision, and a lot of people felt like she won it. So she doesn't care about all that goat noise, right? I can assure you when we do these fighter meetings with her, Amanda's name comes up mm -hmm. all the time. And she's not necessarily chasing that fight. Uh, you know, obviously they're not in the same weight class, but – I think in terms of Valentina's legacy, she's really focused on title defenses, and this is number six. And again, a lot of people felt like Jessica Andrade was going to provide a worthy challenge. And there were rumblings that Valentina was sick during fight week, chewed her up and spit her out in a couple <laughs> rounds. So I'm curious to see what Lauren Does Lauren Murphy even have do. a chance? I know I yeah, I mean, she's got a chance, but I guess you can sort of, if you read between the lines of what I'm saying, I think she has to take some risks and 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 chances that her camp would probably deem to be very unnecessary in almost any other competitive right. setting but i just think playing the long game with valentina to nick's point uh is a recipe yeah she, she cannot play chess she has to play checkers and just go like right after it you know just just keep it close and, and just stay as close as possible so we're gonna make our picks nick talk to me the uh, obvious yeah, it's the obvious, man. <laughs> like John said, though, if you want to try to make some money on this fight, maybe look inside the distance, a certain right. round that they could finish it Because in, it but... is the fight game, right? You can get yeah. caught. Anyone can get caught. Yeah, but Valentina rather comfortably, I think. I'll be shocked. It'll, it'll, it'll break social media if, if there's an upset. Very yeah. nice. All right, we're getting to fight number three. It's the main event. Alexander the Great, Volkanovski versus... Brian Ortega Volkanovski is the favorite. Uh, finally, this fight has happened. Uh, unfortunately, it's supposed to be two, uh, 260. It was UFC 260. And then Alexander got COVID. But it actually worked perfectly because they were able to do Ultimate Fighter together. which yeah. actually set up, you know, this fight here. Um, there's a lot of bl bad blood. So what makes this fight compelling, John? Like, wh what is so interesting about this fight coming up? Certainly their stint as coaches on the Ultimate Fighter served to intensify the rivalry and this matchup. And I think it needed a little heat on it, candidly, you know. But Brian Ortega has sort of intimated that, you know, this is minor heat, right? I mean, he certainly sounds like a guy who's going to bury right. the hatchet, win or lose, as soon as these guys fight on Saturday night. But I think what's most interesting on the Volkanovsky side is the fact that he has had – 
a lot of training camp challenges. You know, I don't know if you guys know what's going on in Australia and New Zealand, but the way they are sort of locking down right. their countries at times makes it very difficult for athletes, even high profile UFC champions to leave, to reenter after their fights. And even like for Dan Hooker, who's competing this weekend, like you saw when he fought Michael Chandler on Fight Island in January. He knew win or lose, he wasn't seeing his daughter for six weeks, right? So you're going into a fight and it's like, man, I better knock this guy out because it's going to be a long six weeks without my daughter. And then obviously he got toasted, you know? So for Volkanovsky, that's a factor for me. The fact that he hasn't been able to have his full stable of training partners. And on the Brian Ortega side, his last performance against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung was so good and presented such a different, better version that that's the guy you got to prepare for. And you just got to hope that version 3.0 isn't walking through that tunnel. So I can understand why this fight has commanded two-way action. I can certainly make a case for both guys. I think Ortega stylistically probably has more ways to finish the fight. Exactly. Um, but I think Volkanovsky really wants to make a statement because his last defense against Max Holloway, a lot of people mm-hmm. thought he lost that fight. So I think Volkanovsky is going to go for it perhaps more so than he has uh, in previous titles. No, and that's the big thing too because – Right, Ortega's known for for finishes, right? T City because his triangles, but lately he's been throwing a guillotine on people. Um, and then he kind of made noise of Alexander doesn't finish; he has decisions. But he, when he has a 19 fight winning streak, the one thing that he does know how to do, he knows how to win, right? And that's his best asset is he'll go he'll go the full five three rounds. Whatever I know, it's five rounds this time, but he'll go the distance for that. And I think if it does go that far. Perhaps Ortega could be in trouble. I know Ortega does know that's his strength. So, you know, he is doing more conditioning, you know, to try to go the distance. So that is an right. interesting fight. You know, he's going to be he's now going against a more explosive guy in this situation, a shorter guy. I think that's what made it difficult for Max too. Max couldn't just jab him up because Max had a punch down right. <laughs> on Volkanovsky. So, right. yeah, this this. Yeah. Height is not always an advantage. Right. Right. So, yeah. Nick, who you got in this one? I really like this new version of T-City, Brian Ortega. I think we, we know he's a all-world jiu-jitsu guy, but what he showed, like John said, against the Korean Zombie was just so impressive because his downfall was the stand-up against Max when they fought in Toronto. Oh, that right? was insane. So for him to come back and answer all those questions, I think I'm going to lean with T-City here. But one thing I want to point out about Volkanovski is, dude, 19 fights in a row he's won. Yeah, right. it might not be the most exciting, but the objective is to get your hand raised. Yeah, man. <laughs> right. so he- no, I'm glad that you both highlight that because think about the way Khabib Nurmagomedov's winning streak was celebrated compared to Volkanovsky's. And I think part of the narrative has shifted because most people thought Max Holloway beat mm. Volko his last time out. So it doesn't necessarily – feel like this 19 fight winning streak but will you're right too in terms of the fight iq he knows how to score and he's in perpetual motion and i think that helps him with the judges he's always throwing he's always landing he doesn't discriminate he works the body the legs um but i'm curious if he's going to wrestle because t-city's a real problem on the ground off of his back and and it does help uh having the advantage of being the champion right where if it does become close it's a chance that it's going to go to the champion so Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate that line of thinking, I do think that there are certain judges. I mean, it's foolishness, right? But there are certain judges who I think still to this day in 2021, they see a close round. They give it to the show. All right, Nick, who's your pick here? T-City. Brian (laughs) You didn't even think he just threw it out there. Man, this is tough for me. Gosh, as much as I want Ortega to be the champ. 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to go with T-City just because of I don't know where Alexander's mindset is because of all the challenges. I, I feel like that's going to be a huge factor into what's going point. on. You know, I know like when Pacquiao fought, he used to come over here and he was gone. Right. He's like, I'm not seeing anybody for a while. And that's what he always did. Um, same thing for, for other fighters. So this is a different situation for him. So, yeah, I'm going to take T-City in this one, man. See, this is always interesting for me, right? A few days out from calling this pay-per-view to hear both of you guys land on the underdog. And I do think Volkanovsky isn't necessarily wholly aware of just how dangerous this guy is. But uh, we'll see. It's it's an exciting title fight. And I think anytime you have Nick Diaz on a fight card, it stands to reason that the champions are going to get sort of uh, minimized right. a little bit. But thankfully, you guys aren't doing any of that. All right, before we wrap this up, let's run through our picks right now. So for the first fight... Uh, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Nick has Nick. <laughs> I have I have Nick as well. Uh, for the second fight, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. We both are picking the heavy favorite in Shevchenko. And the last fight, look at us. We are just all over the place together, man. Uh, Alexander Volonovsky versus um, Brian Ortega. We both have Alexander. Oh, no, we don't. Excuse me. We have Brian Ortega. That's what we have. Yes, T-City. Well, John. I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, I can't wait to check out the fights this weekend. Please tell us where people can find you on social media. Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, Anik Florian Pod is the handle for our Anik and Florian podcast live every Monday. And uh, you can find me at John, J-O-N underscore Anik, A-N-I-K. And we do have the UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony live on UFC Fight Pass this Thursday. George St. Pierre and John Jones are both going to be on stage. So if fans are interested in that, uh, I'll be up there in a really tight suit hosting it. So hopefully you can join us Thursday. <laughs> Very cool, man. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Before we wrap up the show, let's quickly recap our picks against the spread. Here's mine. I like all the favorites. <laughs> I like the Chiefs minus six and a half. Seahawks minus two and the Bucks minus one. Nick, remind us what are yours again? Chargers plus six and a half. Vikings plus two. Rams plus one. And yes, we are against each other on this one. This is good. Look, I love it. You you are on brand with all the underdogs. That is great. We got to. Like we got to. <laughs> all right. That's it for today's show. Next episode, we'll be recapping how week three went down and seeing how our picks turned out, especially that we are picking against one another. Um, don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're listening to the audio version, throw us a rating and review, please. Also, you can find me at Will Blackman on all social platforms. Nick, where can they find you? At Nick Deus 10 on Twitter and on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening and watching. Catch you next time. <laughs>